What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. In this episode, I had so much fun chatting to the wonderful Jane Liu, or the Lazy CEO, as she is also known. After being inspired to quit her corporate job or cubicle life, as she calls it, Jane started the online global fashion empire, Shopo, from her parents' garage. What started off as a laptop and two shelves of clothing back in 2010 is now a global online empire shipping to 80 countries with a huge social following over 3.5 million people. Jane's lazy CEO name is definitely not a reflection of her work ethic. While her ways may be a little untraditional, the names come from her strong belief that once you have found a job you love, you'll never have to work another day in your life. She believes her success with Shopo comes from building a passionate, highly skilled and dedicated team who also share this belief. Through failing and getting right back up and trying again, Jane is the perfect example of resilience and a never give up mindset. Jane very openly shares with us how she went from being $60,000 in debt to being listed in Forbes 30 under 30 and winning online retailer of the year. I can't wait for you to hear this episode where you will also learn how failures and mistakes can lead to amazing opportunities, how working with and surrounding yourself with the right people is key to running a successful business, tips on building confidence and working through imposter syndrome, that if other people can do something, so can you, that if you have a dream or a goal, the best thing you can do is to start, the importance doing things that make you uncomfortable and learning from your experiences tips for beginning an online business, why we should never let self-doubt get in the way of trying new things, the importance of taking calculated risks, why we should never give up, obstacles will happen but you will get through them and so much more. So let's get right into it. Hi Jane, thank you so much for joining me on the Dream Life podcast. I am super excited to have you. Thanks for having me and welcome to my office. Thank you so much. I love being here. So we're, for anyone listening, we're in Sydney and it will be a little bit noisy and I love that because that's part of um, life. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm so excited to be speaking with you because I know your story is just fascinating and I really want the world to know. And before we get in, this is something I ask every single guest. When you were a child, did you dream about anything that you wanted to become or what you want to do when you were growing up? So when I was growing up, my parents used to tell me, I think my mom had dreams of me working in a big multinational corporation, which sounds so, just so not me now, but at the time, you know, she unintentionally sold it to me. And I thought like that sounded so great to be like, you know, a girl boss, but working for a large company, which is great. It's just like, if you know me, you're like, I couldn't, would not be very good at it. And I think that was because, you know, we were immigrants. Um, We immigrated from China when I was eight. So what they wanted for me was financial security. And that came in the form of job security. And so, you know, she was like, oh, you know, you want to be in a suit and just like busy and just like, 
So I guess that it is, Shepherd is a multinational corporation in a way, but not the way I planned it. And, you know, I, I think growing up, I also really, once I was in my teenage years, I really wanted to write for shows like Saturday Night Live or like Jimmy Fallon or, you know, that kind of stuff. And then so I guess I kind of get that creative outlet sometimes when we do content for social. For anyone who doesn't know you, let's share your story with our community. How you went from rock bottom and being in, I think, $60,000 in debt, correct me if I'm wrong, to becoming one of Forbes 30 under 30 and online retailer of the year. I love having the 30 under 30 title because if you put it anywhere, people think you're under 30. But that was years ago, but no one needs to know that. <laughs> you know, it's funny, I used to get away with that too. I was like the young businesswoman of the year yeah. and people still introduce me as that. Yes. And I think that is just hilarious. <laughs> so I still relate to that. So, but can you share how you went from, I guess, hating your job? I think we read that somewhere, but correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're definitely right. <laughs> uh, to being broke and then building an incredible personal brand and a fashion empire. When I turned 18, I got the high school marks that I wanted. And my mom at a young age, when I was 15, was like, there's this, these jobs that you can get when you're 18. So when you're fresh out of uni, you can go work for big companies like KPMG. So KPMG is one of the big four accounting firms. And she's like, you can go work there, you know, and you have this job security from the age of 18. Like, how great is that? And so I went for it and I got it. And I was so proud of myself. And so all of a sudden, and I didn't even know what it was until I started working there and realized that, oh, I'm now an accountant. This is an accounting job. Like I had no idea what it was. Did you study? I studied commerce. Yeah. So I, I studied commerce in high school and that was different yeah. to accounting. Yeah. It was more like theories about how the economy works, yeah. which I find quite fascinating. And then I did an accounting degree, but at the start, you know, you're doing all the basics. This is not kind of what I had in mind, but then it was just such a fun work environment that I was really, I actually like did not have, you know, I think I'm quite a quite outgoing and confident person, but I didn't really have this until I actually started working. Yeah. I was actually a lot more shy in high school. Yeah. Well, I like to think. Anyway, so I was loving it. And then so I actually ended up working three years in accounting only to realize that I hated it. When I went to a different company and I didn't like the work environment, and then I realized, it took, you know, a slow learner, it took me a while to realize I didn't like it. So I was working at Ernst & Young as a business analyst in corporate finance. Like, I don't even know what those words really mean. So I was studying at uni part-time, working full-time, and I was very initially happy where I was. I was on a great career trajectory from a really young age. And then I met this boy at uni. He was an international student from Belgium. And I was like, oh, he's so dreamy. And so when he showed up, he, talked about starting a business and I was like oh god you can't start a business like that's so risky and you can't just start a business who starts a business but this was also back in I met him in 2007 and it just wasn't as common you didn't really hear about that as many successes and as you would now anyway and then so he also I just remember he also talked so much about traveling because you know being from Europe it's so easy to cross borders and I was used to be like oh no, it's like so expensive and so risky. You've got everything you want here. And anyway, so we dated for two years and that just really kind of my, I just, I guess he planted the seed early on and those ideas started manifesting. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I wanted to, all I wanted to do was travel. And I started to want to start a business. And so even though seemingly I had everything, like this great boyfriend who looks great on paper and the, this job that looks great on paper, but I was like, no, I need, Something different. School, yeah, so I broke up with him and I, I was going to quit my job, but they actually let me take uh, unpaid leave. Yep. So I just left it all behind and I went to Sweden on exchange. I was on exchange and traveling for nine months. Yep. And then when I came back, I just, I, you know, I didn't go to find myself because it ended up being just this like massive booze fest. So I came back and I just could not adjust back to cubicle life. So I went back to my job at, in corporate finance yep. at EY and I just hated it. And a lot of it would have been just travel withdrawals. So how I looked at my job, I guess, a couple of years before was like, wow, you know, I have this perfect career path and which I'm well on. Like, I know exactly what I'm doing. How great is that? Now I'm looking on and being like, oh my God, I know exactly where I'm going to be in the next two, five, 10 years. That's so boring. And I just looked at it with a completely different outlook. And so 
I felt a bit stuck. And then this friend came to me and she's like, do you want to start a business together? And I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I wanted. What do you want to do? And so I didn't even care about what the business idea was. I was just happy to do anything, yeah. which is where I probably learned my first business mistake. Like yeah. it, you really need to love it. <laughs> you, yeah. Or you need to, and business model needs to work. No amount of hard work will make up for the fact that the business model doesn't work. And so anyway, so we basically ran pop-up stores of emerging designer products yeah. in bars. So it made sense at the time because it seemed like bars are in the perfect location with so much foot traffic, but there's times during shopping period that the bars aren't open. Yeah. So it was perfect, but it just wasn't scalable. Yeah. You know, it was like a lot of manual labor. So we did that for six months as a side hustle. So I was working full time and doing this as a side hustle. And I was really burnt out from just doing so much, but I was kind of, I was feeling a lot more fulfilled. And my business partner actually convinced me to quit my job so I could work on it full time because it wasn't getting anywhere fast and yeah. it wasn't ever going to become not a side hustle. So I quit my job and my business partner, as it turns out, her ideas for the business was to take into a bricks and mortar. The pop-up was a practice for bricks and mortar, but I wanted to make an online store. Yeah. And so we should have discussed that much earlier on. So that's another lesson. Like, don't, it's like having, being in a relationship and being like 10 years in, five years into it, being like, oh, you don't want to have kids. She went overseas for a month and I spent this time, my first month being unemployed, building a website. So I took photos of everything in my parents' garage, eagerly anticipating for when she came back and I could unveil our new store to her. And then when she came back, she's like, I don't want to do it anymore. I just want to come back to having money. I don't want to do the style of life anymore. I've found a job, yeah. so we're not going to do it anymore. And I did not have the confidence at the time to be in business by myself. So when she says, well, I don't want to do it anymore, it meant that we were folding the business. Yeah. And I was like, come on, just look at the website. It's going to be great. We're pivoting. And she's like, oh no, no one shops online. And this was 2010. And this is a month before I started Chopo. So she basically refused to look at the actual website. That was it, that was the end of that business. And so all of a sudden I was like, how did I get here? I had the perfect job, or so I thought, the perfect job that I wanted, my parents wanted. I had lost all the money that I had made in those last three years from traveling, but in the business as well. I had a terrible track record, so it would look so bad to get a bank loan or to get investors for a future business. And then I was also now unemployed and it was all in the middle of the global financial crisis. And so I couldn't get another job. So no one, especially if you in accounting and finance. So my only option was to start another business, but I didn't know what business I, what didn't know what to do. So I reached out to one friend and I was, I think I was trying to hopefully get a job with him as well because well, like who else is hiring? And I thought I could learn from him. Yeah. I thought he was palming me off. Did introduce me to another friend of his that had her own fashion business, but she also wanted to get into the retail space within fashion. And I was like, oh my God, like I just failed at starting a fashion retail store. That's the last thing I would want to do. Yeah. Which now again, I'm like, wow, like that's really dumb thinking because if you've just spent all this time and money learning about fashion retail and you've made a mistake, you've got all those learnings. Like yeah. that's actually what you should do again because you can only do it better the second time. Yeah, and I love that because one of my mentors, Ariana Huffington, she talks about failure is not the opposite of success. Uh, failure is a stepping stone to success and you're a perfect example of that. Yes, exactly, yes. I kept being like, oh, I don't want to, but then I thought, you know what, I have no other options. So yes, let me meet this girl. Me and her got along so well. We hit it off like a house on fire. Um, and after a few times of meeting up, we were having dinner, got really drunk of red wine, and then we came up with the name and concept for Show Pony, which is what we were called at the time. Yeah. And literally, all of my past failures and mistakes kind of led to that moment, mm -hmm. which I would have never met this girl otherwise. And yeah. I don't know if I would have had the confidence. I never would have been in the fashion retail industry if it wasn't for my friend, who initially I felt screwed me over. Now I could not be more grateful. Yeah. That night, I remember I came home and I was like, you know what, I'm building this website tonight. Because I was like, she already had her own successful fashion business. Yeah. So I'm like, I want her to know that, you know, even though I had just failed at a business, I wanted her to know that I'm a great executor. I can walk the walk, so I'm gonna build this website. And also, I don't want for her 
that it was the alcohol talking. So I want to kind of like trap her into this business. So I want tomorrow to be like, hey, I've got this website. So it's too awkward for her to say no. So anyway, I go home, started building this website. And because I had all that practice the month before, and it took me a month before, but I was doing it very inefficiently. So now I spent that night and just built a website that night. And like from a really easy platform, like I'm not like a genius, a really easy platform, build a website. She had a supplier contact. I had model contacts from the first business. We shot it that weekend. And then within the week we started selling. And we made our first sale. I love it. And is she, is she involved still in the business? She's not, um, but we're still great. Like, I really great friends having dinner with her tonight. And she's just very successful in her business still. So I'm really glad that, you know, even as we parted ways, you know, we maintain that friendship as well. Yeah. I love, love, love that story. So I'm really curious to hear what your parents thought about all oh, this. Oh, yes. Because so- <laughs> I'm sure they would have been, you would have to have managed that as well because they dreams coming from you know, a very different background and yeah. wanted you to succeed, they would have, I have no doubt, feeling a bit uneasy about all this. Yeah, um, well, so my parents, they're definitely uneasy, you're right. I'm an only child as well, so they're kind of like, like all the attention focus was on me. Yeah. When I quit my job, I just couldn't bring myself to tell them mm-hmm. that I had quit because I literally had everything that I had work their butts off for like they they had corporate jobs back in china and then when it came to australia they worked as cleaners they worked in factories they worked under the minimum wage just to like get by um so they can give me a great brighter future which again for them meant having the job that i did um so i gave it all up to start this business which now had failed and now i can't couldn't get another job so how could i possibly tell them so i didn't and then, but the thing is I was living at home as well. So I had to just pretend to go to work every day. So every day I would get up and put on my suit. Um, <laughs> I and, love this. And I'm just like, I'm not, and then getting up early, I'm not a morning person, was just like so painful, get up. I have breakfast with them. And then I had to get the bus into the city with my mom. And cause she worked in the city. So I couldn't just like go off into the park and wait until they leave. So I'm in the city in a suit, just feeling like the biggest failure because I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Um, you know, and even carrying around the empty laptop bags, I'm like, well, it's just too heavy. Like, so point carrying it back and forth. Just like, I just like everything, I'm like, everything's a sham. Um, and then I even, I even got a job as a receptionist at, at the laser hair removal clinic because one, I need money to get by. Um, and so, you know, I remember working and it's so like, feel so stupid but felt really demoralizing at the time like nothing wrong with working those jobs but I at the time I you know a month ago I was working as a in professional services and then I was working in reception and then this girl from school a few years under came by and you know I just she was like what are you her mom was like oh what are you doing and I was like oh I'm just filling in and then I don't know why I lied I'm not someone who would like you know and then when they came back five weeks later for their next appointment, I'm like, oh, no, I'm just here. Like, I just, it's so stupid. And I feel like that was just like such a low point to have to like lie. And like also lame, so lame for myself that I just never, just felt like it's, it's so bad to, that you, I would be in that situation. I would not have the confidence to back myself and also just to be honest with myself and with other people. So, I mean, I guess that's what happens when you're younger, when something bad happens and you just think like, this is the end of the world as well. For anyone listening, I think, especially young people, I think there's a couple of really good lessons here. One is that you might not have always told the truth, but you actually did something to support yourself. So so most people would have just perhaps given up and just seen it as a failure and, you know, almost fall into the depression side of life versus you just actually went back in and you, you know, even if you didn't tell. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, and look at you now. I mean, I think there's a couple of really good lessons. And one I really want to talk about is confidence because you mentioned that you didn't have the confidence. And there's so many people that I meet out and about when I do talks around the world about confidence, that people don't have the confidence. So you came from not having any confidence. And and when I look at you now, and when I met you just a few weeks ago on the panel for business and entrepreneurs, I, I was so uh, inspired by you. So 
you know, coming from no confidence to seeing you on stage just a few weeks ago is super inspiring. So what can you share to our listeners in terms of how to build that confidence? Because you went from not having it to look at you now. Um, yeah, I mean, I still, honestly, I still have like imposter syndrome and just still doubt myself a lot, but I think it definitely have come a long way. I think a lot of it is just like, you have to think that no one really cares about you as much as you do. Like no one really cares. Like even if you have something that's like, honestly, at the end of the day, it's just something for them to measure themselves by. And it's as much as something bad happens to you, it's just kind of like facts. It's just information for other people. They really don't care that much. And, you know, if they're, and again, it's a bit of a cliche, but if there's people that make you feel like you can't be yourself and you can't share your ups and downs, because life is about the ups and downs. Like you have to go through the downs to really feel that success. Like if I was just born a millionaire, it wouldn't be fulfilling, you know? And so one, you do have to surround yourself with the right people in the first place to really have that confidence so you know definitely I'm all for carving out just like bad people yeah. and then it's just all about like not really being worried about what other people think my boyfriend used to always tell me he used to tell me like you're not special whenever I complain about a problem that I can't face or like and what he means is that you know if like millions of people around the world can do this and what makes you think you're so special that you can't I got my driving license really late in life at 26 and he's and he's teaching me manual because he had a manual car. I'm like, oh, I don't want to. It's so hard. And he's like, well, everyone in Europe can do it, but you can't. And then I remember I had to do this public speaking thing, this keynote thing. And he's like, well, look, everyone else on that list is doing it. So you think you can't? You think there's something that makes you more special than those other people that you just physically can't do it? Thanks for sharing. So for anyone um, listening and wants to start their own business, what's like the three tips that you could give them definitely just get started because i think you learn so much from your first month compared to like months of planning like i do i've had friends who they plan so much that it makes you not able to be agile and react to the market and also you might over invest in the wrong inventory the wrong or mainly inventory actually when you start so i think just start small and test and repeat and just like you know just really try and you know, evaluate what worked and what didn't and then just build from there and double down on what's worked. So for example, if you want to start a an online store, hopefully not the same as Jopo, but if you want to start an online store like and you don't have the stock yet, you don't know what you want to do, start an Instagram account and just to get the ball rolling because, you know, even if it takes you a year to actually get your first stock arrive on the site, Imagine how many more followers you would have had if you started working on it a year ago. Like when you actually start, you're going to wish you started and you just have that little follower base before you start trying to sell to them. I guess something else would be make sure you're kind of like doing something that's different. Like unless you are, you know, opening like, I guess like a salon, like a hair salon and that's, you know, you're in a piece of real estate where you are the hair salon for that area. Like there's definitely some business where you don't need to, you, you can just do whatever's best practice but you know most businesses you need to be doing something different um, because otherwise if it's already been done then there's going to be someone there who has more money that can do it better just because they can do it bigger like you need to be taking risks and doing things that are different and you need to be slightly uncomfortable for it to actually have an impact and so that and that comes down to again you know testing repeating so Take some risks, do something that makes you really uncomfortable, but then make sure you don't overinvest into it so you can pull back. Yeah. Um, but if it works, you can double down on it. And for example, like, oh, I want to start a podcast. And you're like, oh, but my friends might think it's stupid. Like people might laugh at me, They're like blah, 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 blah. Like, don't worry about it, just do it. Like if you're having those thoughts, just do it because there's nothing worse than looking back and having regret of not doing it. Because I look back and think, you know, when I started my business, so many people told me when I quit my job that I was being stupid, which honestly, for so long, I was like, oh my God, they're so right, when everything was falling apart. But then I'm like, you know what? Like, if I look back, worst case scenario, if Shopo didn't work out, I would have wasted, I would have lost them all the money I had then, which at the end of the day, isn't that much in comparison. And then also I would have lost a year of my life, you know, which 
you know, a year of not doing accounting could not be the worst thing in the world, you know? Um, and then it would have been really embarrassing. Like, that is the worst possible scenario. Yeah. Whereas, like, the worst case of not trying, I wouldn't be, I would not have all of this. I use that a lot to make, help me make decisions. Like, what's the worst thing, you know, that could happen? Like, when sometimes we want to invest in some things, like, okay, well, the worst thing, case is you're completely wrong and you lose a certain amount of money. And then third is, I guess, just like surrounding yourself with the right people, the right networks and the right people that work with you. I think that's really helped me a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think people is so, so important. We're going to go into that a little bit later, but I wanted to touch on something you said, which is social media. And I know you are the queen of social media and have, I think, over three and a half million followers. Is that correct? Yeah, across lots of platforms yeah. <laughs> yeah which is amazing tell me how important has social media been for you but also how did you make that happen so how i made it happen was i used to be on facebook all the time because i hated my job yeah. and so i literally spent i would have to spend 90 percent of my time working at ey on facebook which is probably why i was so bad at my job and then so i would literally like i'm that person that like I'm on Facebook, I have a fake spreadsheet open on like one screen and I'll just alt tab if anyone walks behind me. So I knew the ins and outs of it really well. And then when I first started, I was in $60,000 of debt. So that's from uni, from traveling, from when I quit my job, they, I was on this like special cadetship program. And then when I quit, I had to pay back $18,000 of allowance that I had already spent, my fault. I had no money and could not re like rely on traditional marketing methods. So print advertising like magazines, radio, TV, banners, I like, couldn't follow that or PR as well. Yeah. And the only thing I could turn to was Facebook. And so that was actually, so the first sale we made was to a friend of one of the free models that we used, you know? And then so that kind of like, so that, that was really surprising for me, but you know, we started to get a little bit of traction and it was all I could really do. So I thought that was pretty good. And that's what we kept doing until one night it was six months into the business and i was on my boyfriend's couch and he was like working in investment banking long hours i'm just there i turned his apartment into like a mini warehouse of stock everywhere i'm working on my laptop in my tracky decks just feeling really like depressed for where i am in life because you know all my friends are like you see them getting great jobs and like they're graduating uni, getting great jobs, traveling, people starting to buy houses. And I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? Anyway, so I'm feeling just drinking red wine, watching America's Next Top Model, just feeling so sorry for myself. Then I had this light bulb moment when they had this new section called the audience's favorite, yeah. where they were, Tara Banks was asking the audience to vote on Facebook for their favorite. And I was like, that's great. We could do this on our Facebook account yeah. because back then there was Fangate still on for Facebook, which means you have to like a page, like follow a page yeah. in order to engage with it. So we invited our 3,000 followers to enter the search for the next face of Shopo competition. You know, a handful of girls would have entered, but then they would invite their entire network to vote for them. So these girls that entered are in our demographic and a lot of their friends most of them would be in our demographic as well. And then so they're literally going to a bunch of girls in our target market to say, hey, check out Shopo. And then some of these friends would enter themselves. So it had this amazing ripple effect. Yeah. So within the space of a month, we went from 3,000 followers to 20,000 followers and it cost nothing. Yeah. And then this was in 2012. So 20,000 followers was a lot. Yeah. You know, this is still back in the days when people were skeptical of online shopping. Yeah. Just gave us a lot of credibility. Yeah. And so I think that was what kind of, in a way, catapulted us to, you know, our next level of growth. But then also what it really did was it showed me how powerful social media can be. Yeah. And it like told me to kind of like back it a lot more. Yeah. And are you feeling that social media is still working considering it's diff much more difficult it's so much more competitive now it's become a lot harder now that you know a lot of the bigger companies you know everyone else is caught up as well so it's way more competitive it's exciting though that there's still so much change yeah it's definitely not as like facebook organic con traffic is dead there's still a little bit with video but barely and there's still a bit with instagram but i, I you know i refer to them as the golden days yeah. the golden era it's not the same, but there's still so much you can do. And I think, you know, which is why it's exciting every time that 
I remember when Instagram would change its algorithm and everyone, including us, would be like, oh, so annoying. We just got used to it and they changed the algorithm. But I think it's an, an exciting opportunity for you to like catch up and kind of be on even grounds with like other people especially for small businesses it's a great opportunity for them to catch up so for our instagram account we kind of like grew it to the 300k mark and it just like plateaued or like 200 even and then i actually started up my own personal instagram account in like 2015 having like less than 100 followers anything you did you can see the impact of it so much more clearly and that's what kind of taught me how the instagram algorithm worked at the time and so from there we like two years grew to a million like it just some people look at their account as without that many followers i wouldn't look at it as a disadvantage there's still a lot of great opportunities and ultimately i do think the algorithm has shifted to like having a small amount of engaged followers is not that much worse than having a large group of like unengaged followers yeah absolutely and what i find the most fascinating because i actually started my business before internet it's hard Mm. to believe (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you know my dream was to become global so so um that was you know difficult because internet didn't exist it was very much like opening stores in my favorite cities but what i love now when i speak to potential people who are potentially opening or starting their own business is that you can now reach a global audience in an instant even yeah. if they if you have a small following in terms of you know you can have a little niche and you can you know attract people around the world which i think is just fascinating so but also on the other hand it's much more competitive so of course it's not easy but it's mm. uh, amazing um for for small businesses i want to talk about you call yourself the lazy ceo on instagram <laughs> i know you're not lazy i just wanted to find something a bit contradicting and different but also i think you know i used to say oh you know if you love what you're doing it's not work anyway but it's also just like i think a lot of the growth has come from me letting go and just really relying on the people around you to drive the business so by delegating by being lazy it's actually so good i love that i often we often have a laugh that um, i only want to do what I love and you know one of my dreams was to not have any direct direct reports and you know a lot of my entrepreneurial friends thought I was crazy that's never going to work but that was something that I really wanted to and you know delegating and actually not having that uh, was very much part of that and I'm now not having any reports which (laughs) I love so given all your success to date there have been lots of ups and downs as for any business I know the failures and lessons along the way in your business right now what have been the biggest obstacles that you faced and how did you overcome them? It's funny because like at the time, it's, it's like the biggest obstacle I've ever faced. And now with hindsight, nothing looks too big and it kind of like, you realize how it prepares you for the future. But we used to be called Show Pony and we realized, I realized that that was actually taken as a trademark. Yeah. And so also, sorry, and then also as we started growing more and more internationally, that's like taken all over the world because it's such a common turn of phrase. I just never thought it, we'd grow that big. Yeah. And we were just growing incidentally because we were on social media, you know, and you can't really restrict it. We realized we had to change our name, but then I honestly at the time thought that all we had was just a bit of stock and our name. Like if you're gonna change it, like what else are you? And so just felt like this is the end and I have to give everything up and my boyfriend's dad told me he's like oh you know and i just been like whinging about it for months he's like you know this is what you're you've gotten yourself into like you're in business like this is the point like they're gonna go through so many of these obstacles and if you want to have longevity in business then start focusing on the solution just do something about it get over it so i think like a lot of advice i've been getting is just like get over it and it has really helped Anyway, and that's when we like, we spent three months trying to like rebrand, think of new names. And then we end up get coming to the name La Chopo, which actually has benefited us so much because we've got the unique domain, unique handle. We own that name. And also we used to be called Show Pony because it really suited the product that we had. It was just primarily party clothes. But now as we've evolved and our demographic, our customer base has evolved, it's allowed us to kind of define who that customer is and not be limited to the connotations of being a show pony. 
I always say there is always a positive in the negative. Yeah. There is always lots of learnings, but it's always hard in, in all circumstances, personal and business. There's, it's always hard when you're right in the middle of it, but really looking at the solution and loving the problem. But I always say lucky me to have these, you know, have these problems. So many people would love to be in our situation and actually have mm. a business on the ground. So I always think, lucky me, even though sometimes I also do swear and sometimes I'm frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. You talked a lot about um, people who have inspired you and giving you advice. Who would you say inspires you now? I think I just get inspired by just whatever I'm watching or reading, I guess. I'm like on YouTube and a lot. And then I think just even like, you know, when we read like, these retail publications, like these online retail publications that come my way and just I'm always so fascinated by what people are doing and just like, just a lot of people in this retail space, the people I meet in Australia and the people you read about overseas, the thing that I'm loving is I just read Shoe Dog, which I know is like not anyone attainable, like the Nike story, but it's just like, it's just so exciting because I think so much is happening in the book but like one of the things is just you know they they cover like the ups and downs yeah. and the amount of times they've they've been on the brink of like failure and so it just makes you want to go like never throw in the towel yeah. yeah i love that book too and i think it's there's so many learnings and sometimes i think and this is for anyone listening who's thinking about starting their business is that they often look at you know your business my business or you know nike and thinking they have it all sorted and there's so much going on and there's often just so many turning points you know i was um reading about lego you know they kind of were so close to go bankrupt and then they completely turned around so there's no no business that i've ever read about that had like that curve that was just smooth it's always a very ups and downs and and that's what i think makes makes it exciting because if you as you said earlier if you were just born a millionaire and had it all sorted that wouldn't be the excitement to go through and i feel like every time my business like it kind of everything does go smooth sailing for a few years as soon as like you, it doesn't go well, it actually becomes not as nimble. And I think so having that shake up every few years makes you be sure that you've got the right people, you've got the right infrastructure, you've, you focus on profitability and margin. Yeah. Because I think if you go too comfortably for too long, then as soon as the market turns, you're screwed. One of the guys that I love is Vern Harnish. He's, he calls himself the growth guy. He's an American guy. But he, he talked about every year, who would you enthusiastically rehire in terms of your team? And I think it's a good way of yes. kind of looking at everything in your business. It's like, you know, who would you like to have on the bus? And who is, because sometimes we outgrow people and, and people, you know, change and mm. um, and I think it's really important to kind of look at all the things that you know we have a lot of things like that ahead of us we need to change because mm. obviously um, being um, very much in normal retail we're also online but um, there's a lot of change in there and that's challenging but it's also super exciting because yeah. that could just um, change the way and we sell currently on 247 countries online wow. which is amazing and I can I can't not stop thinking about the potential in terms of reaching more people so it's very exciting different people can come into your business at different growth stages yeah. and there's some people that grow with the business I mean there's some people that are really great at like getting your business from like one stage to another and they're best to go into another business and help them repeat that yeah. growth as opposed to to keep growing and what you want to do is have a good mix because at the end of the day like for me this is my first time doing working in the business this size so I need to surround myself with other people who have done it before so you must be very have very full days to ch- achieve everything that you do. But let's talk about self-care. What do you do to make sure you don't get burned out? And what do you do that makes you happy outside of work? Um, well, so I, I just like love going out, midweek drinks, yep. and then just meeting up with friends. During the week, I had some nights I worked at midnight. Yep. And then also went out for dinner some nights. Yep. And then come Friday, I had dinner with my boyfriend. We, when we got home, sorry, husband. <laughs> when we got home, I just, I'm like, look, we work together. I just need to like, let's just, we, we call it together separately. Like he'll do his own thing and I'm just watching TV. And like, don't talk to me about work. Yeah. We can talk about not work at dinner, but just leave me, leave me alone. Yeah. So I'm there playing Free Cell and Minesweeper and Hearts. These are like free Microsoft games. You know the crappy free games you used to get on your like Windows? I'm playing on my phone as I'm watching Jane the Virgin on Netflix, which is my guilty pleasure. And I'm literally watching it 
till I ended up watching it till 3 a.m. on Friday night. Got up again on Saturday and then watched it for another like 12 hours. I did not leave home. I was just on the couch. I literally went from couch to bed Friday, Saturday, and then half of Sunday. And then Sunday, I was like, all right, I'm going to catch up on my emails. You know, so like even though I'm working on a Sunday, like I think I can just, when I switch off, I'm such a big switcher offer. I do nothing. If I'm in the mood to work, I'll just keep working. And that could be till midnight, till later, till two. If I'm on a roll, I'll just run with it. You know, I don't have to, I'm not a routine person which I know routine is better for you, but like I'm not a routine person because if I go to bed, I won't sleep anyway. Yeah, Yeah. and I think that the whole idea is to find whatever works for you. Yeah. Yeah, We're all different and um, you know, your lifestyle sounds crazy because I go to bed so early, but I'm an early morning person. So we're all very different and that's (laughs) that's what makes life exciting. I just like watch a whole season of shows on the weekend. And that's a great way of um, relaxing. So, Talking about routines, have you got any routines in your life that you cannot miss or anything that you do that makes you feel better? Not really. I think I like I have to drink coffee at work, but that's not really routine. I have been going to the gym more because I got married a month ago, so I started like making sure I did go to the gym. Not crazily, but like I was going. And then I took a month off because I was like, screw it, I'm married now. But then I'm like, no, I shouldn't just throw in the towel. So I went back and I was like, oh my God, I lost all my muscles. Everything was so bad. So now I'm like, you know what? Like, even if I go and just bludge and just like secretly turn the like bike thing down, like, so, and then take smaller weights, even that is better than nothing. So I'm making this commitment just to like go and like at least do that for myself, self-care. Just do it and you don't have to go 100%. Just show up. And I think that's a really good lesson for anyone who is out of exercise and want to get into it because I think that's often, that's how I trick myself. It's like, I'm going to go for a run, but even if I just run for five minutes and then walk, it's fine. And then once you're in it, you you often do, and it doesn't matter if you don't do 100%. Yeah, Yeah, that's a really good one. Because I think if you throw in the towel now, you'll end up throwing the towel for other things. You just kind of like, it can be a vicious cycle. Yeah. I also think that, you know, to to create really amazing work, to to be fit, mentally which means that if you exercise you're more awake and more alert um, then that helps but um, whatever works for each person so it struck me a couple of years ago and you know I'm a big dreamer it struck me a couple of years ago how few people take time out to dream to imagine the future they want and then chase it and what a massive impact it could have on the world if more people did So now, a bigger crazy dream of mine is to inspire 101 million people around the world to write down three carefully considered dreams on paper and start chasing them. And with all that in mind, what three dreams would you write down if you knew anything was possible and you couldn't possibly fail to achieve any of them? So I support The Hunger Project, which is this charity that they do amazing things overseas. They set up communities to be self-sustainable and they want to end world hunger by 2030. And I believe they can do it. So that. And then, I mean, I just, I do definitely want Shopo to keep growing and just to make an impact and to leave, leave a positive impact on the world. And, you know, I think we're still in our infancy in, in terms of what that would look like, but I don't know exactly what that will look like, but... Perfect. And one more. Anything could be achievable. Is that what you said? Anything. Oh, I just want to, like, grow old with Waldy, my my partner, and just be really happy. Just, like, when I'm old, have these grandkids, and I'm just, like, really happy. And just, just like, be old and happy and have no regrets. Yeah. And what do you think makes a happy life? I think feeling fulfilled, feeling like you're making a difference and making an impact. Yeah. Um, And then just being I get really bored really easily so I need the every day to be exciting yeah. and yeah and just being surrounded by the right people and I just you know having healthy family and friends drinking yeah <laughs> talking about drinking yeah I think you told me on the panel or told the people who were listening to you on the panel that you have rosé on tap is that correct yes would you like some <laughs> I'm good thank you yeah. but, but is that um, part of being a good place to work yeah, um, I think like really, you know, not everyone drink, like we don't at, at all advocate for people to drink, but it is definitely a good way to get everyone to just relax. Like I love just, you know, everyone, it helps everyone stick around on a Friday night. Yeah. 
it's like how at your house all your furniture points to your TV. It's like that. It's like a focal point and it brings people together, which is nice. And I think that really helps people, especially those who work in different teams. And that way we never run dry. We just always have alcohol. So you never have to worry, especially with Sydney lockout. So I actually had my, when I got married, I had my after party around the corner from here so that we could come here because I'm like, that's the only bar that will be open after three o'clock. And we did that. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So... To an outsider, it really seems as though you've been able to create a career out of your passions and you have found your true purpose. This is something I speak about in my book and encourage people to really get to know their passions and values in order to live their life with purpose. What advice would you give to others trying to figure out what their passions and purpose may be? Because in the beginning you mentioned that fashion wasn't particularly something that you were really passionate about some people might be lucky enough to know but if you don't I think you just kind of like I feel like it's like golf like I don't play golf but like you kind of just like whack it in a direction and you go there and you're like okay which and then you just whack it in another direction and gradually you get closer and closer to what you want so even though fashion isn't like I mean I love clothes but I don't think when you look at the girls in the product team like my passion for fashion isn't where theirs is. But what I love is, I love business. I love, it's like a giant, you know, Lemonade Tycoon? Like the game where you like, you have to make your own lemonade. It's like an app. And then you have to buy the right amount of like sugar and lemonade. And then you can make your, you invest in making up your stand bigger. And it depends on the weather. Like I love that. But this is like a real life, much more complex Lemonade Tycoon. (laughs) And so I love that and I love social media. I'm like a social media fiend and I just love content. I love creating content. So essentially this is that yeah. with the fashion business. So if you don't like what you're doing, just at least get yourself closer to where you want to be. And then from there, new opportunities will open up yeah. and you, you can't imagine it. It's so hard to imagine how that would happen, but it does happen because yeah. no one, you look at all these amazing people doing crazy amazing things like no one got that like from the first go and I love that because I think sometimes when we start out it's hard to dream really big but when I look back now there's no way I would have thought that we would be selling to 147 countries even though I knew that I wanted to go global but I never understood because internet didn't even exist so so to dream big and really thinking you know to start somewhere and uh, I love them. Um, there's a quote that I often share, which is, um, you don't have to be great to start, but you actually have to start to be great. And I think that's such yes. a good, good quote because it's very similar to your, let's just whack the ball somewhere and go just in that go direction. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for, um, for sharing. So do you feel like you've created your dream life now? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, beyond, like this is more than I could ever have wanted like I kind of wish I did this like time capsule thing where I wrote down where I see myself because I don't think I actually dreamed big when I was younger I went to a school where um it was quite a competitive school like a selective school that we have in New South Wales and it had this competitive environment and because I didn't have that confidence that I didn't want to if I knew that I could fail I wouldn't try Mm -hmm. and so you never dream big so you don't want to set yourself up for failure yeah that's why I always ask um in my book I always say what would you do if you couldn't fail because I think failure stops us and um you know and also what would you do if you had all the money you needed because often money stops us and you you are a perfect example of all the questions (laughs) and it's amazing to to have them have you as um showing people that it's all possible regardless of where you're starting so what does your parents think about your success now oh i mean they're so happy but now they're just like oh when are you having kids like they (laughs) they always have something to nag me about but no they're so happy like they couldn't believe it i actually didn't even tell them for like two years afterwards because i just moved out of home and just avoided telling them but yeah no they're in shock they started like helping at the warehouse and now my mom's like walking around in the Chopin hoodie she's like I'm Chopin mom and she's like yeah she loves it (laughs) oh that's amazing so this has been such an amazing conversation I love to finish off by asking a few quick questions that I know our listeners would love to hear if you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them live their dream life what would you say I would say 
just don't don't be afraid of like taking risks and the and going through the lows because you need to go through the lows to get to the highs and to really appreciate them and i think the more you're risking with the lows is the more you actually set yourself up to for potential wins i mean of course you still got to work you have to work hard and you have to be somewhat lucky there there you know i feel like there's some luck involved but again like you said you never know until you try so take those risks because there's nothing worse than just playing it safe i think yeah. i love i think it's richard branson i'm not 100 but i think it's richard branson who said the harder you work the more luck you create or something like that <laughs> and yeah. uh, or someone said that anyway but i think um you know you, you, there's definitely luck because we're lucky to be in this country or you know to be born into this world but then a bit of hard work definitely needs to yeah. uh, to be um successful for sure So you mentioned that you don't have any particular routines because you like to change things, but do you have any particular morning routine? No, I get up as late as possible and I realize that instead of snoozing because I know snoozing is not good and it doesn't actually help you like your sleep patterns. So instead of snoozing, I get up and I check my phone because nothing else will wake me up. But like if you're just on your phone, that's like how I wake myself up. Yeah. And then That's it. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Most people that I um, get to talk about says absolutely the opposite. So I love um, the different view that you have. I absolutely love it. Breaking all the rules. Yeah, you are a true entrepreneur. <laughs> so we talked about one book that you read, but I love reading and I love learning from people who's done amazing things. Do you have a favorite book and why? I do really like Good to Great, which is I think is a really good book, yeah. I'd love to know if you have a favorite Kiki K product or a favorite stationery product. Yes, I have I have the well, I have the thank you notes, yeah. so I might get one back. <laughs> and I also have um one of the diaries as well. Yeah. This well this is my stuff for this year and I've had stuff in the past. Yeah. I just and I love the stickers as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. So one last question for you. If you could go back to your younger self, say when you were in your late teens, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? Definitely do not worry about what other people think. At the end of the day, like everyone is dealing with their own insecurities yeah. and their own issues and if someone is actually not that nice to you that it's not really a reflection on on you they're just dealing with their own shit <laughs> absolutely i think that is amazing way of finishing this super inspiring podcast thank you so much and it's been so nice to get to know you because i've only really met you once um, on the panel and i was just so inspired by you and i think uh, by sharing this podcast you're going to inspire uh, want to be entrepreneurs around the globe so thank you so much for uh, taking your time this afternoon and I'm super excited to watch your empire grow globally thanks so much for having me thank, thank you. you what a breath of fresh air janis i loved chatting with her about her incredible success as well as how she came back and learned from her failures i hope you enjoy this episode as much as i did At a time when the world is going through so much uncertainty and we're all facing many new and never before seen challenges, I think Jane's story is a great reminder that difficult times will happen, but we can get through them and often come out stronger on the other side of it. I urge everyone to try to remain positive and ensure you are doing everything you can to look after yourselves and your well-being, as well as the well-being of your loved ones. If you are inspired to dream big and set some new goals and dreams after this episode, I would love you to join my private Facebook group, Your Dream Life Podcast, and share what you found helpful or what you enjoyed. We are all there to inspire each other. You can find the link to my group in the show notes. I am so excited about all the guests I have lined up to share with you, so don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss them, and don't forget to tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. I love hearing from you. If you want to see more what's happening in my world, you can follow me on Instagram at Christina Kiki K. Until next time, dream big. <laughs>